Section 30 of Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted, by Francis E. W. Harper. Chapter 30. Friends in Council. On the following Friday evening, Mr. Stillman's pleasant, spacious parlors were filled to overflowing with a select company of earnest men and women deeply interested in the welfare of the race. Bishop Tunster had prepared a paper on Negro immigration. Dr. Latimer opened the discussion by speaking favorably of some of the salient points, but said, I do not believe self-exilement is the true remedy for the wrongs of the Negro. Where should he go if he left this country? Go to Africa, replied Bishop Tunster, in his bluff, hearty tones. I believe that Africa is to be redeemed to civilization, and that the Negro is to be gathered into the family of nations and recognized as a man and a brother. Go to Africa? repeated Professor Langhorn of Georgia. Does the United States own one foot of African soil? and have we not been investing our blood in the country for ages i am in favor of missionary efforts said professor gradner of north carolina for the redemption of africa but i see no reason for expatriating ourselves because some persons do not admire the color of our skins i do not believe said mr stillman in emptying on the shores of africa a horde of ignorant poverty-stricken people as missionaries of civilization or christianity and while i am in favor of missionary efforts there is need here for the best heart and brain to work in unison for justice and righteousness america said miss delaney is the best field for human development god has not heaped up our mountains with such grandeur flooded our rivers with such majesty crowned our valleys with such fertility enriched our minds with such wealth that they should only minister to grasping greed and sensuous enjoyment. Climate, soil, and physical environment, said Professor Gradner, have much to do with shaping national characteristics. If in Africa, under a tropical sun, the Negro has lagged behind other races in the march of civilization, at least for once in his history he has in this country the privilege of using climatic advantages and developing under new conditions. Yes, replied Dr. Latimer, and I do not wish our people to become restless and unsettled before they have tried one generation of freedom. I am always glad, said Mr. Forrest, a tall, distinguished-looking gentleman from New York, when I hear of people who are ill-treated in one section of the country immigrating to another. Men who are deaf to the claims of mercy and oblivious to the demands of justice can feel when money is slipping from their pockets. The Negro, said Honorable Dugdale, does not present to my mind the picture of an effete and exhausted people destined to die out before a stronger race. Gilbert Haven once saw a statue which suggested this thought. I am black, but comely. The sun has looked down upon me, but I will teach you who despise me to feel that I am your superior. The men who are acquiring property and building up homes in the South show us what energy and determination may do even in that part of the country 
I believe such men can do more to conquer prejudice than if they spend all their lives in shouting for their rights and ignoring their duties. No. As there are millions of us in this country, I think it is best to settle down and work out our own salvation here. How many of us today, asked Professor Langhorn, would be teaching in the South if every field of labor in the North was as accessible to us as to the whites? It has been estimated that a million young white men have left the South since the war, and had our chances been equal to theirs, would we have been any more willing to stay in the South with those who need us than they? But this prejudice, by impacting us together, gives us a common cause and brings our intellect in contact with the less favored of our race. I do not believe, said Miss Delaney, that the southern white people themselves desire any wholesale exodus of the colored from their labor fields. It would be suicidal to attempt their expatriation. History, said Professor Langhorne, tells that Spain was once the place where barbarian Europe came to light her lamp. Seven hundred years before there was a public lamp in London, you might have gone through the streets of Cordoba amid ten miles of lighted lamps and stood there on solidly paved land, when hundreds of years afterwards, in Paris, on a rainy day, you would have sunk to your ankles in the mud. But she who bore the name of the Terror of Nations and the Queen of the Ocean was not strong enough to dash herself against God's law of retribution and escape unscathed. She inaugurated a crusade of horror against a million of her best laborers and artisans. Vainly she expected the blessing of God to crown her work of violence. Instead of seeing the fruition of her hopes in the increased prosperity of her land, depression and paralysis settled on her trade and business. A fearful blow was struck at her agriculture. Decay settled on her manufactories. Money became too scarce to pay the necessary expenses of the king's exchequer. And that once mighty empire became a fallen kingdom, pierced by her crimes and dragged down by her transgressions. We did not, said Iola, place the bounds of our habitation, and I believe we are to be fixtures in this country. But beyond the shadows I see the coruscation of a brighter day, and we can help usher it in, not by answering hate with hate, or giving scorn for scorn, but by striving to be more generous, noble, and just. It seems as if all creation travels to respond to the song of the herald angels, peace on earth, good will toward men. The next paper was on Patriotism, by Reverend Kantner. It was a paper in which the white man was extolled as the master race, and spoke as if it were a privilege for the colored man to be linked to his destiny and to live beneath the shadow of his power. He asserted that the white race of this country is the broadest, most Christian, and humane of that branch of the human family. Dr. Latimer took exception to his position. Law, he said, is the pivot on which the whole universe turns, and obedience to law is the gauge by which a nation's strength or weakness is tried. We have had two evils by which our obedience to law has been tested, slavery and the liquor traffic. How have we dealt with them both? We have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Millions of slaves and serfs have been liberated during this century, but not even in semi-barbaric Russia, heathen Japan, or Catholic Spain has slavery been abolished through such a fearful conflict as it was in the United States. 
the liquor traffic still sends its floods of ruin and shame to the habitations of men and no political party has been found with enough moral power and numerical strength to stay the tide of death i think said professor gradner that what our country needs is truth more than flattery i do not think that our moral life keeps pace with our mental development and material progress i know of no civilized country on the globe catholic protestant or mohammedan where life is less secure than it is in the south nearly eighteen hundred years ago the life of a roman citizen in palestine was in danger from mob violence that pagan government threw around him a wall of living clay consisting of four hundred and seventy men when more than forty jews had bound themselves with an oath that they would neither eat nor drink until they had taken the life of the apostle paul does not true patriotism demand that citizenship should be as much protected in christian america as it was in heathen rome i would have our people said miss delaney more interested in politics instead of forgetting the past i would have them hold in everlasting remembrance our great deliverance hitherto we have never had a country with tender precious memories to fill our eyes with tears or glad reminiscences to thrill our hearts with pride and joy we have been aliens and outcasts in the land of our birth but i want my pupils to do all in their power to make this country worthy of their deepest devotion and loftiest patriotism i want them to feel that its glory is their glory its dishonor their shame our esteemed friend mrs watson said iola sends regrets that she cannot come but has kindly favored us with a poem called the rallying cry in her letter she says that although she is no longer young she feels that in the conflict for the right there's room for young as well as old she hopes that we will here unite the enthusiasm of youth with the experience of age and that we will have a pleasant and profitable conference is it your pleasure that the poem be read at this stage of our proceedings or later on let us have it now answered harry and i move that miss delaney be chosen to lend to the poem the charm of her voice i second the motion said iola smiling and handing the poem to miss delaney miss delaney took the poem and read it with fine effect the spirit of the poem had entered her soul a rallying cry o oh, children of the tropics amid our pain and wrong have you no other mission than music dance and song when through the weary ages our dripping tears still fall is this a time to dally with pleasure's silken thrall go muffle all your viols as heroes learn to stand with faith in god's great justice nerve every heart and hand dream not of ease nor pleasure nor honor wealth nor fame till from the dust you've lifted our long dishonored name and crown that name with glory by deeds of holy worth to shine with light emblazoned the noblest name on earth count life a dismal failure unblessing and unblessed that seeks amid ease inglorious for pleasure or for rest with courage strength and valor your lives and actions brace shrink not from toil or hardship and dangers bravely face engrave upon your banners in words of golden light that honor truth and justice are more than godless might 
above earth's pain and sorrow christ's dying face i see i hear the cry of anguish why hast thou forsaken me in the pallor of that anguish i see the only light to flood with peace and gladness earth's sorrow pain and night arrayed in christly armor against error crime and sin the victory can't be doubtful for god is sure to win the next paper was by miss iola leroy on the education of mothers i agree said rev eustace of st mary's parish with the paper the great need of the race is enlightened mothers and enlightened fathers too added miss delaney quickly if there is anything i chafe to see it is a strong hearty man shirking his burdens putting them on the shoulders of his wife and taking life easy for himself i always pity such mothers interposed iola tenderly i think said miss delaney with a flash in her eye and a ring of decision in her voice that such men ought to be drummed out of town as she spoke there was an expression which seemed to say and i would like to help do it harry smiled and gave her a quick glance of admiration i do not think said mrs stillman that we can begin too early to teach our boys to be manly and self-respecting and our girls to be useful and self-reliant you know said mrs leroy that after the war we were thrown upon the nation a homeless race to be gathered into homes and a legally unmarried race to be taught the sacredness of the marriage relation we must instill into our young people that the true strength of a race means purity in women and uprightness in men who can say with sir galahad my strength is the strength of ten because my heart is pure and where this is wanting neither wealth nor culture can make up the deficiency there is a field of christian endeavor which lies between the schoolhouse and the pulpit which needs the hand of a woman more in private than in public said miss delaney yes i have often felt the need of such work in my own parish we need a union of women with the warmest hearts and clearest brains to help in the moral education of the race said rev eustace yes said iola if we would have the prisons empty we must make the homes more attractive in civilized society replied dr latimer there must be restraint either within or without if parents fail to teach restraint within society has her check-reins without in the form of chain-gangs prisons and the gallows the closing paper was on the moral progress of the race by hon dugdale he said the moral progress of the race was not all he could desire yet he could not help feeling that compared with other races the outlook was not hopeless i am so sorry to see however that in some states there is an undue proportion of colored people in prisons i think answered professor langhorne of georgia that this is owing to a partial administration of law in meting out punishment to colored offenders i know red-handed murderers who walk in this republic unwhipped of justice and i have seen a colored woman sentenced to prison for weeks for stealing twenty-five cents i knew a colored girl who was executed for murder when only a child in years and it was through the intervention of a friend of mine one of the bravest young men of the south that a boy of fifteen was saved from the gallows when i look said mr forrest at the slow growth of modern civilization 
the ages which have been consumed in reaching our present altitude and see how we have outgrown slavery feudalism and religious persecutions i cannot despair of the future of the race just now said dr latimer we have the fearful grinding and friction which comes in the course of an adjustment of the new machinery of freedom in the old ruts of slavery but i am optimistic enough to believe that there will yet be a far higher and better christian civilization than our country has ever known and in that civilization i believe the negro is to be an important factor said rev cantner i believe it also said miss delaney hopefully and this thought has been a blessed inspiration to my life when i come in contact with christless prejudices i feel that my life is too much a part of the divine plan and invested with too much intrinsic worth for me to be the least humiliated by indignities that beggarly souls can inflict i feel more pitiful than resentful to those who do not know how much they miss by living mean ignoble lives my heart said iola is full of hope for the future pain and suffering are the crucibles out of which come gold more fine than the pavements of heaven and gems more precious than the foundations of the holy city if said mrs leroy pain and suffering are factors in human development surely we have not been counted too worthless to suffer and is there continued iola a path which we have trodden in this country unless it be the path of sin into which jesus christ has not put his feet and left it luminous with the light of his steps has the negro been poor and homeless the birds of the air had nests and foxes had holes but the son of man had not where to lay his head has our name been a synonym for contempt he shall be called a nazarene have we been despised and trodden underfoot christ was despised and rejected of men have we been ignorant and unlearned it was said of jesus christ how knoweth this man letters never having learned have we been beaten and bruised in the prison-house of bondage they took jesus and scourged him have we been slaughtered our bones scattered at the grave's mouth he was spit upon by the mob smitten and mocked by the rabble and died as died rome's meanest criminal slave Today, that cross of shame is a throne of power those robes of scorn have changed to habiliments of light and that crown of mockery to a diadem of glory and never while the agony of gethsemane and the sufferings of calvary have their hold upon my heart will i recognize any religion as his which despises the least of his brethren as iola finished there was a ring of triumph in her voice as if she were reviewing a path she had trodden with bleeding feet and seen it change to lines of living light her soul seemed to be flashing through the rare loveliness of her face and etherealizing its beauty everyone was spellbound dr latimer was entranced and turning to honorable dugdale said in a low voice and with deep-drawn breath she is angelic honorable dugdale turned gave a questioning look then replied she is strangely beautiful do you know her yes i have met her several times i accompanied her here tonight the tones of her voice are like benedictions of peace her words a call to higher service and nobler life just then rev carmichael was announced 
He had been on a southern tour and had just returned. "'Oh, doctor!' exclaimed Mrs. Stillman. "'I am delighted to see you. We were about to adjourn, but we will postpone action to hear from you.' "'Thank you,' replied Reverend Carmichael. "'I have not the cue to the meeting, and will listen while I take breath.' "'Pardon me,' answered Mrs. Stillman. I should have been more thoughtful than to press so welcome a guest into service before I had given him time for rest and refreshment. But if the courtesy failed on my lips, it did not fail in my heart. I wanted our young folks to see one of our thinkers who had won distinction before the war. My dear friend, said Reverend Carmichael, smiling, some of these young folks will look on me as a back number. You know the cry has already gone forth, young men to the front. "'But we need old men for counsel,' interposed Mr. Forrest of New York. "'Of course,' said Reverend Carmichael. "'We older men would rather retire gracefully than be relegated or hustled to a back seat. "'But I am pleased to see doors open to you which were closed to us "'and opportunities which were denied us embraced by you.' "'How?' asked Honorable Dugdale. "'Do you feel in reference to our people's condition in the South?' "'Very hopeful.' although at times I cannot help feeling anxious about their future. I was delighted with my visits to various institutions of learning and surprised at the desire manifested among the young people to obtain an education. Where toil-worn mothers bent beneath their heavy burdens, their more favored daughters are enjoying the privileges of education. Young people are making recitations in Greek and Latin where it was once a crime to teach their parents to read. I also became acquainted with colored professors and presidents of colleges, saw young ladies who had graduated as doctors. Comfortable homes have succeeded old cabins of slavery. Vast crops have been raised by free labor. I read with interest and pleasure a number of papers edited by colored men. I saw it estimated that two millions of our people had learned to read, and I feel deeply grateful to the people who have supplied us with teachers who have stood their ground so nobly among our people. But, asked Mr. Forrest, you expressed fears about the future of our race. From whence do your fears arise? From the unfortunate conditions which slavery has entailed upon that section of our country. I dread the results of that racial feeling which ever and anon breaks out into restlessness and crime. Also, I am concerned about the lack of home training for those for whom the discipline of the plantation has been exchanged for the penalties of prisons and chain gangs. I am sorry to see numbers of our young men growing away from the influence of the church and drifting into prisons. I also fear that in some sections, as colored men increase in wealth and intelligence, there will be an increase of race rivalry and jealousy. It is said that savages, by putting their ears to the ground, can hear a far-off tread. So, today, I fear that there are savage elements in our civilization which hear the advancing tread of the Negro and would retard his coming. It is the incarnation of these elements that I dread. It is their elimination I do so earnestly desire. Whether it be outgrown or not is our unsolved problem. Time alone will tell whether or not the virus of slavery and injustice has too fully permeated our southern civilization for a complete recovery. Nations honeycombed by vice have fallen beneath the weight of their iniquities. Justice is always uncompromising in its claims and inexorable in its demands. 
the laws of the universe are never repealed to accommodate our follies surely said bishop tunster the negro has a higher mission than that of aimlessly drifting through life and patiently waiting for death we may not answered rev carmichael have the same dash courage and aggressiveness of other races accustomed to struggle achievement and dominion but surely the world needs something better than the results of arrogance aggressiveness and indomitable power for the evils of society there are no solvents as potent as love and justice and our greatest need is not more wealth and learning but a religion replete with life and glowing with love let this be the impelling force in the race and it cannot fail to rise in the scale of character and condition and said dr latimer instead of narrowing our sympathies to mere racial questions let us broaden them to humanity's wider issues let us replied rev carmichael pass it along the lines that to be willfully ignorant is to be shamefully criminal let us teach our people not to love pleasure or to fear death but to learn the true value of life and to do their part to eliminate the paganism of caste from our holy religion and the lawlessness of savagery from our civilization how did you enjoy the evening marie asked robert as they walked homeward i was interested and deeply pleased answered marie i said robert was thinking of the wonderful changes that have come to us since the war when i sat in those well-lighted beautifully furnished rooms i was thinking of the meetings we used to have in bygone days how we used to go by stealth into lonely woods and gloomy swamps to tell of our hopes and fears sorrows and trials i hope that we will have many more of these gatherings let us have the next one here i am sure said marie i would gladly welcome such a conference at any time i think such meetings would be so helpful to our young people End of section thirty recording by james k white chula vista